Our friends survived the bridge at the mountain pass, only to engage in a lengthy fight culminating in a showdown with the orc chief, failed diplomacy, and many failed attempts at befriending a pampered wolf. When will we get answers about those rifts? I promise, those answers are coming. Hello and welcome back to Misfortune Corner. I am Steven, your dungeon master for today, and I am joined today by Taylor, Emma, Tawny, and Cade. Last time we left off where everyone was raiding a um, orc bandit stronghold, however you want to call it, and we everyone almost got pummeled. And we ended the session with everyone taking a long rest. We're going to start off by doing some level ups first. And everyone has leveled up from three to four. And I'll just kind of go down the list and go over what everyone's leveled up with. And we will roll for HP as well. Um, first off. Can everyone roll me a d20, see who gets to describe what happened first? I got a 9. 17. 20. 18 for the car. Okay. Um, first, we'll go over, we'll turn the time over to Tawny. Uh, what is new with your character? And so I took the uh, sharpshooter feat, which means that when shooting at long range, if it's outside of the range of my weapon, I do not shoot at disadvantage. I also can ignore coverage that is half cover or three quarters cover. And if I am making a ranged attack with a weapon that I am proficient in, I, can, uh, have, I have the choice of taking a minus five point penalty on the attack roll. But if it hits, then I get to add 10 points to the attack damage. Ooh. And that, that would be what I did. Oh, cool. All right, so we're going to roll for HP. Uh, the way I do it is, well, every character has their own what's called hit dice, and that basically is the number of HP they get. And, for example, if someone has a hit die of 6, that means they roll a D6 and they get that many HP added to their um, HP along with their constitution score. So, Tawny, what is Rook's um, hit dice? Her hit dice is 4d10. Okay, so we're gonna roll a d10. And uh, the way I'm gonna do it is we both roll, and if they are tied, then you reroll, otherwise you get the higher dice. Okay. So I rolled a three. I rolled a two. <laughs> so you get three 
HP along with what is your constitution score? Um, plus one. Yeah, so it's plus one. Okay, next we have Cade. Can you tell us what's new with your character? Through the embarrassment of going down last session, the car, his skin magically toughened and gained the feature of tough. So now that it, I gain HP according to my um, level, and that is doubled. So I am tough. I'm a tough warrior who has just gotten tougher. Okay, so the toughness feat. It basically gives you two HP for every level your character has. So I guess from that feat, you have gained um, you have gained eight HP with that. So we will now roll your hit dice then if there's anything else that's special with your character. No, that is the only special, the only new thing about my character. Okay, what is your hit die? It is a one d twelve. Okay, so we'll both get a d twelve. I rolled a nine. I rolled an eleven. Alrighty. Okay. Next up, then, is Taylor. What's new with your character? So I took another level of Celestial Warlock, um, putting me at two and two on my levels. Uh, I gained an additional Pact Magic spell slot. Um, as well as my, yeah, um, as well as some Eldritch invocations. Uh, Eldritch invocations are something specific to a warlock that kind of allow them to uh, do some special stuff. Uh, the Eldritch invocations that I took, uh, my patron was very kind to me and my eyesight. And so I gained the Eyes of the Rune Keeper, uh, which allows me to read all writing. Uh, and then I also got the Devil's Sight invocation that allows me to see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical. Hey, now you have your owl powers. Yeah, now I can see in the dark along with everyone else. <laughs> and that's what I gained. Okay. All right, what's your hit dice? My hit die, let me look at what it is for Warlock, is in a D8. Ooh. Not too shabby. <laughs> Uh, I rolled a two. I rolled a three. Ouch. Yeah. You squished still. Yep. 
So what's your con then? Uh, my con is a plus one, so I got four hit points. <laughs> okay. Emma, what is new with your character? Okay, um, so I gained cantrip versatility, which means that um, I was able to replace one of my cantrips with a different one from my druid spell list. I also gained wild shape improvement, which means I can um, magically change into a beast I've seen before under a certain challenge rating that can't fly. And I can do it on my action and instead of spending a spell slot for it. Um, and I get it back with a short or long rest. And then I also gained the feat Healer, um, which gives me a healer's kit that I can use to stabilize anyone who's like dying up to one hit point. And as an action, I can also use it to restore one D6 plus four hit points to whoever. Um, but I can only use that a couple of times. Oh, that's pretty nice. I know, I was really excited when I saw it was an option. I was like, yes! Because <laughs> we <laughs> need that after last time. See, there's a lot of choices that were made due to what happened last. Last time was not a fun time. <laughs> oh, I, I would say the opposite, but that's neither here nor there. Well, you're on a different team from all of us, Steven. <laughs> I am on your team. Don't get me wrong. I'm always on your team. <laughs> sure. Um, what is your hit die? My hit die is 1d8. Or sorry, 4d8. Okay. So roll a d8 then, and I will roll one too. I got a 5. I got a 3. I'm rolling really low on the hit on the d8s, but really high on the d12s. Only you could just stick with the D8s. <laughs> All right, and then what is your constitution score? Eight. Eight? Wait, no, your constitution score? That's your hit dice, but... I, I, think, oh, you mean, oh. I think you mean to ask modifier. Modifier, oh. Your score is an eight? My Dang. hit point bonus is plus eight from constitution. Oh, okay. No, her her score is 15, so she has a plus two. Okay, that's what it was. And then you said you got a... Oh, sorry, what was your D8 number you got? Five. Okay, so you gained seven HP. Okay, I'll keep track of that so we don't have problems with what happened before. Now that that's swept under the rug, <laughs> we can start with the session. So, a little bit before everyone wakes up, uh, Kavasir is the first one that ends up waking up. And upon waking, he sees on, a, on the closed the now closed treasure chest with his legs crossed and a slender. There is a slender, clean-shaven man that appears to be in his late 20s. He is dressed in crimson robes, crimson robes, 
that look as expensive as they are functional, which is which looks very expensive. He has short trimmed silver hair and ruby red eyes. Protruding from his back, you see a pair of white wings comfortably furled up. Hello, my dear Kvasir. You, you seem to be aging well, as always. Um, you would recognize him as your patron. I think if I remember my backstory right, Kvasir's like never actually seen him. Well, so, here you do. <laughs> I, I guess he would have recognized the voice. Oh, oh. I, I don't believe I, we've ever met face to face. He extends a hand to shake. He, he steps up from his, um, from his position of leaning against the treasure chest. And he gives you a very warm-handed, two-handed shake. Well, I have noticed that you finally acquired a posse, I believe the term is called. How have things been since you left your safe haven of books? Oh, it's been very, uh, very interesting, to say the least. Uh, I met Erlen here in the, at Candlekeep, and we set off on a bit of an adventure, and, well... You know, I'm quite surprised by how frequently people almost die outside of the library. Well, that is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, in indeed. I, I think that young man over there has almost died at least three or four times since he's been in my company. Well, he seems like a very tough fellow, if I do say so myself. I would concur. Well, you may be wondering why I'm here in the first place. And Indeed. Yes, I came here merely because I want to mark the occasion. I know the one thing I know very well is that warlocks love evocations. So I thought to myself, self, get this man an evocation. And that's why I'm here. You're welcome. An evocation? Uh, like, as in the... Uh... Is in the School of Magic. Oh, yes. It's slightly different, though. It's, I'd say it's limited to warlocks for all I know of. Oh. But it should serve you well. Oh, very, very well. Uh, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm willing to accept anything that you have to offer. I, I, I've always found our partnership to be rather uh, beneficial on my end. Mm. Yes, about that. I always would appreciate the continued knowledge that you would be able to assist me with. Oh, of course. Well, I must be going. Hit me up if you need any more. And he kind of poofs into a red mist, red silvery mist. I must say, he was, he's nothing like what I imagined he would look like. Okay. Um, with that, um, everyone else slowly starts to wake up. Um, I'll describe the room again. 
um, because it's been a week and just make sure everyone understands what's going on. So next to the chair, you see the treasure chest. It used to be open, now it's closed. Um, and then you see the entrance you came from, and then you see another exit to the room that it looks like someone kind of just put two boards across to, um, and they kind of have some like nails on the wall to keep them in place. It doesn't look very well put together. And that's your situation. Uh, so Stephen, just so that like I'm tracking on the same page, uh, he was talking about um, the invocations I just got, right? Oh, I said evocations, didn't I? Yes, you did. I did. I did mean. Sorry. Okay. Invocations. I, 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 my wheels were turning for a second, and I'm like, I'm not entirely sure I understood that exchange. <laughs> okay. No, I was, I was meaning invocations, because that's basically what you got new, and it, you literally got that from your patron. So I figured, eh, might as well make him drop in. Okay, I'm, I am tracking now. Well, uh, is everyone feeling quite rested? I know I'm sure feeling a lot better. Ooh, I must have slept on a rock or something. Uh, you, you're must, sleeping on rocks. The car must sharpen his axe. But I am ready. That axe gets sharpened quite frequently. Force of habit. <laughs> no problem. Well, he uses it so darn much. It's blunted on all the skulls. It's quite necessary. Well, uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a very seasoned adventurer. Uh, did did we? Did we achieve what we came here to do, or, or was there something else that we needed to accomplish? I mean, you guys haven't looked at the chest yet. Let's get a crack open on that chest, shall we? Very well. Um, noting that it's now closed, I actually want to uh, make a perception or investigation check on it. Um, I think it's odd that it's closed when the person that would have closed it is dead. Well, it was closed so your patron could sit on it. Oh, he closed it. <laughs> Never mind. I, I didn't catch that he closed it. I thought... It's very difficult sitting on a closed chest. I mean, on an open chest, it's not very comfortable. You kind of sink in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's characters and places that swim in gold, so, like, whatever. That's true. You don't, you don't know if there's pointy daggers or stuff in there. Anyway. Hey, Steven, I opened <laughs> the box. <laughs> Okay, inside you see there is quite a lot of gold in there. There is 50 gold, 
five agates, which is just a gemstone, they would be worth 10 gold each. And a garnet, which would be worth 100 gold. And one potion of healing. And you also see a patchwork ragdoll. Well, that's a mighty weird thing to have with treasure. I don't care about the identifying, I guess, for these. Um, so I will explain what this is. This is a magical item. It is called the Flanking Buddy. Once per day as a bonus action, you can throw this patchwork rag doll to an unoccupied space within 30 feet of you. The doll animates, and until the start of your next turn, the doll acts as an ally for the purposes of flanking. It's my own fun little creation. Also, upon looking in the chest, you notice that there seems to be a trail of coins coming from the chest, and it appears to be in the direction of the boarded up um, exit from that room. The card takes a nasty swing at the boarded up entrance. Okay, give me a strength check. That is a 18. Okay. With a hefty swing, you make rubble out of those boards, and the entrance is open. Do I see anything? It is dark, and it goes, seems to go on more in a tunnel. I turn to the group. Sounds like we need an adventure down this tunnel. Got to join me. I'm right behind you, partner. Brooks, a cowboy? Yeah, she's kind of turning into that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this, this accent is just evolving more and more each session. <laughs> well, Ellen onward. Hesitates and glances at Kavasir, like, uh, should we go with, I guess? I don't see why not. Okay, then. Let's let that go, I guess. Okay. So, it's, a, it's another about a couple minutes of a walk through this deep tunnel. And occasionally you see, like, a couple copper pieces on the floor. Um, sometimes silver. And towards the end, you see it opens up again into another little cavern. We're, all, we're picking up these pieces as we go, correct? Yes, you can pick them all up. Perfect. So there's a room at the end that it opens up. And as you look into that room, you see there is an open chest. And it appears to have gold in it. And as you look around the room, you notice there's a large pile of greenery matted down, kind of like it's a bed or something. This must be where whoever it is lives. 
perception check to see if there's anything else that I notice about the padded down greenery that might give me a clue to as what type of being was using it as a bed. Okay. Give me a perception check then. Actually, give me an investigation check. Okay. That'd be an 18. Okay. With an 18, you can tell that like the area is large enough to fit something like a bear, but there's no way a bear would have not matted down the all the shrubbery as much it, as much as it is. It's very lightly matted down. Well, something not a big came through here. It's like there's a lot of it, but it's not matted down as you would imagine something that that would be this big would lay in it would be. Hmm. Very interesting. Do you think it is? Can Tonto smell the greenery? Um, see if he recognizes a smell. Okay, give me a knowledge nature check. Um, you not Tonto. Okay. That is a seventeen. Okay. You don't see any traces of like any wildlife in it. Um, with that, it's, it almost looks like, like most of the leaves and most of the greenery in there is actually pretty fresh. Almost like, almost like that pile of leaves wasn't there a week ago. Mm. I feel like I'm just completely missing something here. I am right there with you. Um, is there anything else other than this treasure chest? No, and also the cave does not go any further. I feel like this is... The chest is over towards the um, pile of shrubbery and stuff. This, this doesn't feel normal um i i want to make a perception check on this like that this the placement of this feels is making kvasir uneasy okay give me a perception check uh perception 15. You glance around more. You you still really don't notice anything. Like, you don't even see any signs of life, basically. Does anyone else get a rather odd feeling about this room? Something ain't right here, friend. 
I don't like it. Yeah, it feels kind of eerie how, like, new but old it feels. Uh, not, not to say that I feel that you're disposable, uh, Thakar, but you're you're more likely than than I am to to uh, get harmed and s- stay in a relatively okay condition. Um, would you mind perhaps removing the chest? from its location. Everybody has to rely up upon me these days. The car goes to pick up the chest. Okay. You get to the chest about like five feet away from it and suddenly your foot goes through the floor a little bit. Like the floor is still there. Um, give me a dexterity save. That's a 18. Okay. You catch yourself as your foot goes through, and your foot squishes on something um, really wet and slimy. And you manage to stop yourself from going face first. And then suddenly, um, the floor kind of looks like it melts away, and, and it seems to be some kind of illusion. And you notice you just stepped in a crap ton of mud. And behind you, you hear like a... (coughs) And then, in the back party of the group, towards everyone else except for the um, barbarian, um... Give me a perception check. Eighteen. Fifteen. Thirteen. So right behind you, you start to see this massive figure come, like like shadow of a figure, come out of the ground. And it looks almost like a bear shape. And then it looks like it deeps, it breathes in really deep. And as it's about to let out a roar, you see this little figure pop out of it and say, Poof! and the illusion disappears. And you see a pixie. Um, it's strange though, this pixie is not really dressed like you would normally imagine how a pixie would be. Wearing a a bunch of greenery, um, hair tied up, and all these different ways. This one, um, this one's wearing pants, dressed in like a lot of dark purples and blacks. And she has like this ring on her finger. It's It's a black ring, but it's basically too big for all her other fingers, so it's on her thumb. What are you doing? Oh, boo. I you were supposed to be scared. Um, off record, I'm going to end her. On record. <laughs> um, on, on record, 
Oh my, what a delightful little creature. People don't say that about me that often. Sorry, I spoke over you. No, go for it, sorry. Uh, you gave me quite a fright. What was that for? Well, I gotta have fun somehow, right? <laughs> oh, this is very entertaining. Sure look different from most pixies I've seen with the other druids in the forest. Yeah, I, I kind of get that a lot. It's... Eh. Maybe we'd call it a face. Call it whatever you want. Kavasir's like, pulled out a notebook and is already doing a sketch. Like, this is great. A pixie that dresses like a normal person. <laughs> um, she kind of sees what you're doing. Like, ooh! And she starts kind of like posing a little bit, like trying to look really cool. She's not trying to look attractive. She's trying to look like some really cool person. It's adorable. Uh, at this point, the car turns around and replies, What is this? Well, this, my friend, is a pixie. Um, a rather peculiar one, but... And he finishes his sketch and is like, oh, Would you mind uh, signing your name underneath this illustration uh, for documentation purposes? Hmm. He kind of looks at it. Like... Actually, how about we trade? I'll give it to you for one gold. I think that's a fair enough... Fair enough trade, and... Fish out a gold coin. She happily accepts it, and she takes it and starts, like, admiring it. The car steps forward and says, pointing with his great axe, Does it bleed? The violence isn't necessary, Thakara. Pixies are generally more mischievous than they are dangerous. Uh, they, they tend to like to have fun, yeah, more often than not at others' expense, but it's, it's always harmless fun. Boring. I, I've actually never, never met one, but I've done some extensive reading on them. They're, they're quite interesting fae. Very boring. And the car begins striping his grid axe again. You seem to have like you seem to have quite a bit of mud on your shoe. Would would you like some help getting that off? I think I'm fine, thank you. She she like holds out a um a black cloth, like kinda waving it in front of you. Serious if you want it. I'm fine. It's just mud. <clears throat> he puts the thing away and she also tucks the picture back in her pocket well I'd, I'd hoped you'd be more fun but uh I sorry did, were you going to sign my illustration here I I would like to add this to my uh, collection of uh Oddities, I guess. Uh, oh, did you? I, you gave did, you gave me the picture. I, I gave her the coin. No. Oh. I, I turned the book around for her to sign it. 
All right. I, I didn't actually give it to her. It, um, it's my it's my book. <laughs> my book. I got confused for it. <laughs> Pixie doesn't care whose book it is. Okay. And she kind of like draws with her finger and then like out comes ink. And it says Rin on it. Delightful. I, 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 if you have the time, I, I do have a, a, maybe a few questions for you. Um, and I, I won't eat up uh, like table time for this, but Kvasir does have like a list of questions for her if she'll sit down for an interview. <laughs> Well, I don't think we sh- would have much time more. See, I was, I was actually kind of supposed to kind of get you guys to come. Would you follow me? Um, I'm kind of set to grab you guys somewhere. The car grips is great next. And who are you taking us to? Oh, his name. His, his name is Aristotle. He's, he's very special. I don't know why he wants you, but he said to do it, so I'm doing it. Special how? I don't know. Are you willing to risk your life for it? Honestly, honestly, you guys aren't that much fun, so I don't see why he's thinking you're special or something. Except you. You might be fun. And then you see... um. The car, give me a um, charisma saving throw. This is gonna be ugly. Let's see. That's a eight. Okay. Um, so you see out of the ground a shadow figure kind of rises up. And it just gives you the creeps. So you are, you now have the frightened condition for uh, the next little while. Um, she kind of just did that to prove she doesn't want to put up with your crap. <laughs> the call is not happy and afraid. You in? Oh, okay. I thought you said I enter rage. Never mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> and God does not think it's worthy enough of his time to go into a rage. I, I, I for one, uh, I'm rather intrigued by this. Uh, not, not, not just because I, I want to continue my conversation with uh, this delightful inv- individual, but uh, this uh, Aristotle fellow uh, seems rather. Well, if, if he has such a delightful pixie at, at his command, I, I'd rather like to meet him. Well, what do you think, Alan? I mean, if you think it's a good idea, then sure, why not? Are there any objections other than, I guess, the... Grumbles from the car. Adams don't really see the point in not going, so I'm with you. 
Well, I, I think we're we're in agreement. Uh, well, while we're on our way there, um, can, would you mind answering those questions for me? Oh yeah, sure thing. On we go. She kind of starts leading the way out of the cave. Alrighty. Um, what kind of things are you asking? Just like general stuff, like about pixies and things. Um, or what? More specific to her, like what makes her different? Why she dresses the way she does? What's up with the shadow thing? Basically, just a interview about her because. Like, it's, uh, like, pixies are normally pretty, like, face-centered, and this one doesn't seem to be. So Kavasir would document it to add to his, like, collection of interesting things. Okay, well, from the your conversation stuff you get the gist that most of it is illusion magic that some that has to do with like controlling the shadows and things um but she's pretty hesitant to talk about her past um you eventually exit the cave and then rin points you towards um towards the path that you need to keep going down you end up going down the mountains, um, back to the main trail, and then about like a couple hours actually worth of travel, continuing down the trail that you were already going down beforehand. She veers you towards the end of, um, veers you off the path, and you don't see like any trails or whatever going off, even like no traces of it being used recently. And eventually, you come to basically a place out in the middle of nowhere. There's like just a bunch of trees around, no openings or anything. And then she goes, "We're here." Is there a is there a house in the distance with a pink dog? I don't get the reference. You, you said we went to the middle of nowhere. I don't know what that place is. Never mind, I was making a Courage the Cowardly Dog reference. Oh, oh okay. They, they live in the oh, I get of it nowhere. Now. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yeah, okay, er, early 2000s joke for y'all. <laughs> well, um, and then Rin kind of floats up a few more feet, and then... It looks like she just passes through an invisible wall to where you don't see her anymore. Whoa, what, Ren, where, where, where did she go? I mean, like, I, I don't even see anything here. She kind of sticks, you see a head pop into materialize and like, are you coming or not? She kind of gives a grumpy face. And then the head goes back through. I'll shamble on through. Erlen quickly follows him, nervous. All right. 
immediately upon entering into the bubble, so to speak, you see that there, in fact, are not like any trees nearby. It's a large, um, large open area, and you see there is a large wooden mansion, and it looks very beautiful. There's a lot of trees um, that are nearby it that are nicely pruned. Um, what's odd about this mansion, though, is that there are no windows. Um, Rin leads you up to the door and gives a nice little knock on it. The door opens, and Rin kind of floats in. You notice that upon um, the door opening, you see that the inside is huge, and that there are actually windows everywhere that you wouldn't have noticed from the outside. It's kind of like one-way windows. Whoa, this place is amazing! On the other side of the door, you see a elderly-looking man. Ah, oh, and you might be the... You might be the adventurers I was looking for. I might presume that you are, let's see, putting on descriptions. He points individual at you. Kvasir, Rook, the car, and Erlen, I believe. And we know you? Unfortunately not. Um, it is a pleasure meeting all of you, though. You're probably wondering why you're here in the first place, and for that I have a very thorough and complicated answer. <laughs> Would you like to come in? Uh, by this point, like Vasir's already made his way over to one of the windows and is trying to determine how the... Uh, how they work. Okay. Um, give me an Arcana check then. Uh, 21. Okay. Um, there's definitely some illusion magic in there. Um, but for the most part, it is just normal glass. Um, so it's almost been magically changed to be that way. Very intriguing. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to to wander off while you were talking. It's very, very interesting home. No, you are quite all right. I I appreciate people looking at the work that I have done. I have managed to cut the inside of my mouth on bread. Why would you do that? How on earth is that possible? I don't know, but my mouth is bleeding. Oh, dear. It's br is it toasted? Uh, no. How? How? I you have I skills. I I know. I I really do. Like, I I managed to hurt myself on all kinds of things that shouldn't be able to hurt you. <laughs> it's bread. 
Turns out Taylor's as squishy as his character. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As the old man speaks up, well, to to answer why you are all here, um, I'm about to show you something you don't see usually every day. Let's walk and talk. And he begins to lead you out throughout the mansion. Um, It appears you all got my message by one way or the other, and it is because I require aid. Now, not just any aid, but yours, to be precise. I do not know why this is the case, but it seems the fates have it out for you for. Out for us? Yes, metaphorically. This is exactly what I get for leaving the library. Oh, but I am so glad you did. See, there's kind of some problems going on. Um, Before we begin, though, I would like to remove any uncertainty with the arrangement for both sides. Um, None of you happen to be a cleric of some kind, do you? I I am not I am not a cleric, but I do possess some form of healing and uh, magics <laughs> related to that. I but no no I I am not a, a cleric of by by any means. I, I'm not a very religious individual. Okay. He doesn't seem perturbed by that at all. Well, in that case, it is. It's good that I prepared this just in case. He raises his hand behind him and gives a stiff snap of his fingers. And then when he lowers his arm, he is holding a piece of parchment and he hands it to Kvasir. Um, As you look at it, you would identify it as a scroll of Zone of Truth. But it's weird because somehow, like, the deity part of the whole spell, like the only reason normal clerics can cast it, the deity part of that spell is gone. And it would actually, this spell would make sense to you as a wizard. Um, Use this as you wish so we can all be certain of this arrangement, but know that this way, the way this spell works slightly changed with how I altered it. It will not work on someone who does not consent. Oh, very well. Um, you you want me to cast it now? Um, let's hold on to that until we actually get into business. Um, if you all follow me, and he leads you um, down a hallway, and you reach this slightly illuminated metallic blue door, and he pushes it open to reveal a tidy circular room with a large device in the center. The walls inside are lined with desks and what seem like alchemy experiments. There are neatly organized bookshelves also lining the walls. Looking more closely at the device in the middle of the room, you notice it has a series of gold rings of different sizes that intertwine in a large sphere. On each of the rings, is a circular disc with gold trimmings. And the discs all appear to be of varying sizes and color. Each disc slowly floats in a circular motion around a central point. Well, now that you've got a look at it, 
This is what you could call a wheel of cosmology, albeit a much more advanced one. Um, now might be a good time for the zone of truth. All right. Um, I guess I just I activate the scroll. Okay. So the way it works is anyone inside it um, can choose to succeed or fail. And if you if you allow the spell to take control, um, anyone within the spell um, can know if someone else in the spell is lying. It's not conditional on who it was or who cast it. So it's up to you guys if you choose to fail it or pass it. Um, Aristotle chooses to fail it. Kvasir will choose to fail. Just double checking. If you fail, it means other people can help your line. Yes. All right, Rook chooses to fail. Uh, Erlen will also fail. Thakar? I will not fail. You will pass it, or...? I will pass it. So you are not going to be affected by the zone of truth? Yes. Okay. Um, Aristotle knowingly glances at you. He's like, suppose that can't be handled anyway. Um... These discs you see here are a representation of something called the planes of existence. You can think of these planes as different versions of the world you know now, but each with their own so-called biome and mechanics to speak. For example, the four main inner planes are the air, fire, water, and earth planes. Now, if you can imagine a world with just that element, you roughly get the idea. Um, and you guys can jump in at any time if you have questions and stuff. Like he's he's easily waiting for, he's open for questions. Um, so would the water plane be kind of like where the tritons live, or is that part of the? Is that part of this this plane? Yes, very astute. Um, it's it actually is custom to. The way Tritons live, um, I wouldn't say they're all from there, but there's there's a heavy population of Tritons there. Yes, versions of us run around each of these. Um, for that, no, it's it's not very much as much of a mirror on people as it is the worlds. Now, each, like the world you live in now is called the prime material plane, and it's actually made up of all of those different planes kind of mingling together. So it's, it's not very much of like a parallel universe, so to speak. Um, perhaps it would help if I told you a little bit of history from it. 
Um, so about 200 years ago, the planes existed as part of a world tree. And that's is how it's been for as long as anyone can remember. And then the spell plague happened and the spell plague broke up the tree. And now the planes in ex exist in a much less rigid manner. Jump to 100 years later, and the sundering happened, and most of the devastation from the spell plague was reversed, and a new planar system was formed, so goodbye, world tree. Because of the chaotic creation of the new planar system, it's kind of set some problems in motion, of which I have been tracking. Before, the world tree kept these planes apart, and now the only thing keeping them apart is empty space known as the ethereal plane and the astral plane. What is occurring now is something I like to call the aligning. I coined it myself. Now, planes have a natural pull towards each other, and given the right conditions, we can see them merging with one another. To avoid dancing around the subject, has anyone I don't. I can't confirm this, but has anyone seen um, these rifts in the sky popping up recently? Well, in fact, oh. we have seen one. That's yeah, we saw one. We've got a few questions of our own about your so-called rifts. Yeah, we were fighting these guys, and then all of a sudden, they just like fell into the ground. It was so freaky. Oh, so you can see them. Oh, that is good to know. Um. Well, these rifts are, in a way, wounds from these other planes. At the moment, an abnorm abnormality is happening where the planes coincidentally are lining up one with another, and they are, in a sense, deadlocking and refusing to continue the normal cycles. How often is this happening? It's happening more and more frequently. Um... He kind of he gestures at the wheel of cosmology that he pointed out the device in the middle of the room, and as you look at it, it's showing slowly rotated disks with a with a crystal in the middle, and at a glance, you don't notice any disks actually lining up with each other like you'd be talking about where they'd um, of the description he was describing, and the metal around the gems is actually slowly changing colors the rainbow. And as you notice, a lot of them are a similar color, just with a different shade. And there are a bunch of these discs that are different colors and sizes. And then Aerosol speaks up. He's like, well, it may seem that this, is, this instrument shows that what I've told you is not the case, but the planes don't actually exist as the uninspired would normally comprehend. You see, they kind of exist in a fourth-dimensional space. The colors of the disks actually indicate the plane's location on the fourth dimension. If you were to, for example, speed up these events, he waves his hands in a circular motion and the instrument starts spinning faster. And then you see that the colors around the disc slowly alternate the colors of the rainbow. And slowly but surely, you see more of the colors. They start to match other discs as they continue to alternate the colors of the rainbow. And then eventually you see like half of the discs alternate. 
with the same colors and the other halves alternating with the colors opposite on the opposite side of the spectrum. Now, if things stay as they are, the planes will eventually be stuck in line with each other. Now, if I understand things correctly, it will result in a merging I was speaking about and calamity would ensue. So, so just, just for uh, clarification, what you're implying is that eventually, uh, over a, a, an undetermined amount of time, that the planes would eventually become one plane. Precisely. Oh, well, that, that is... And Kvasir, like, kind of turns to everyone else. That, that would be most catastrophic. There's... Oh, let me see. There's... Uh, the seven planes of order, then the seven planes of chaos. Or sorry, I got mixed up there. There's the seven uh, positive planes, and the, are also. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, um, forgot his name. Uh, if I'm wrong, Aristotle. I, I haven't done extensive research on this. I have done some light reading, but uh, my understanding is that there are the seven upper planes that are good aligned, and then the seven lower planes that are uh, evilly aligned, and then a good or a, and then a neutral one on either side, and then you've got then you've got uh, various other planes in the mix, such as the elemental ones. And so, if they if they were to combine, there would be a total of, oh, I don't know, uh, perhaps some 20, give or take, planes merging, and that's not even including the demi-planes, which oh, the, are beyond count. It would be utterly catastrophic. The this new plane would literally tear itself apart. Yes, and I, I'm glad I, you can understand where I'm coming from. This is most, most unwelcome news, and I, I assume you've, you've confirmed that this is consistently happening. It's not just a fluke. Oh, no, it's, it's most definitely not. Um, over my many years, I, I have, I've noticed these kind of things coming and going, but with the frequency that these things are showing up, there is no mistake that something like this is happening. My voice is, I'm losing my voice for Aristotle. I think I've got it back. <laughs> Well, in my years of exp of research, I have actually discovered that there are, for lack of, lack of le better words, gemstones in the shape of a disc that are attuned to each plane, according, including ours. I actually modeled these gems in this instrument after them as close as I could. It appears that it, their existence aids in Keep the planes intact and separate from other planes. Okay, I'm really losing my Aristotle voice. You're, you're, you're turning more to Kavasir. <laughs> Dang it. 
That being the case, they are virtually indestructible. If I were to be able to gather the discs from this one and the four main inner planes, being fire, air, and water, and earth, I should be, I should be able to give them, metaphor, you could say a shove back in their right path. Of course, it wouldn't hurt to have more of these, but these four should be sufficient. Your task um, would be to find and gather these discs and bring them back here. And that's something I would rather, much rather do on my own. But I am currently using all my power to keep these planes from doing as I was explaining. I've been quite busy since the spell plague was resolved 100 years ago. Um, I can fund your journey and help you get on your path should you accept this task and you can talk amongst yourself if you wish to process this offer i i do believe we will need a moment to discuss it among ourselves i we only recently became a a more cohesive part before there were two groups of us i i think we need to perhaps uh, kind of discuss that joining as well. I was rather hastily done. Uh, just give us a moment and Vasir kind of like moves away towards one of the windows. Quote unquote window. It's a window for you guys right now. <laughs> well, no, you um, see, to get any windows, you'd have to exit the blue door you came out of. Um, you can tell basically the door is kind of special. It's it almost seems kind of like an inner sanctum or whatever. Um, but you can exit the door and go around to like one of the windows. Then. Oh, I, I thought there was like a window in our room. There's the room. not a window in the circular room that you're in right now. Um, just the other, just the other side of the door would be fine. What, what does everyone think of this proposition? It sounds like a rather uh, like a rather large task, but it does seem if if what he is saying is true, it does. Well, of course, it's true. He, he couldn't lie to us in that circle. Um, well, it seems that he. Uh, the situation is most dire. I do have to point out. Are you sure out. there's really anything we can do, though? Like, this seems, like, way bigger than us. I think our lives are no longer ours in this journey. But I do believe that I want to point out that he is not, he has not lied this whole time. Um, you wouldn't have been able to tell because you weren't in the zone of truth. But I'm just guessing because I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's all a theory for me. They'll act like he does. Well, he he, he wasn't lying. He he was quite truthful to the point that it was. Uh, well, we're we're in a rather uh, precarious position at the moment. Uh, to, to sum it up for you, Sakar. Um, not only is the plane that we live on in danger, but 
more or less the entirety of existence is at stake here. Um, yeah, if I'm correct in my understanding, if, if what he says was to occur, there would be nothing left except for the space that exists beyond the planes, and, well, obviously we wouldn't be around to see it. Flakar needs his revenge. Well, technically, there would be one plane. True. Yeah, what, whatever's left over after all That's of them. That's true. Whatever's left over after all of them destroy each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, the car needs his revenge, and he has not ac- accumulated that yet, so I say we should do it. Despite it being absolutely crazy. I'm with my tall, hairy friend here. I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my forest. I, I might... I, I somewhat share a rather similar um, opinion with Erlen. Uh, this seems like it's bigger than, than us, but... But Aristotle seems to have a fairly straightforward and clear idea as to what needs to be done, and if he's picked us, then I believe that I, I believe in his decision, which is rather strange, having uh, known him for a cumulative uh, five to ten minutes. Well, old owl, this may be bigger than us, but all together we just may be bigger than it. It takes a strange thing, friend. I think we gotta try this. I think we gotta do it. How strangely uh, philosophical of you. Uh, I guess you're. Well, the... you spend enough time alone in the woods, you get a lot of thinking done. Uh, what of you, Erlen? Uh, I think you're the last vote here. Uh, and, and please be, be aware, I, I did say that I would adventure with you, so if you're against it, well, I, I will respect that and opt out as well. Well, I mean, if it all does really collapse like you said it's going to, then that would destroy the oceans and all of my druid friends, and uh, that doesn't sound great, and I... Uh, I don't really know how much we can do, but I I I I, I want to help, so I guess I'll go too. All right, it seems that we're in agreement. Um, and I open the door back up and kind of like take a few steps in. It's like Aristotle, we have made our decision. Uh, we will join you. That is most wonderful. Um, now, I already know of the location of the disc for this plane. Now, consider it. Consider getting it a second test to be sure I picked the right people. Now, 
The place where it's located is in a crypt of a long-dead wizard by the name of Melton. Now, there's a nearby town that should be of help finding it. I actually happen to have a map right here for you. And he hands you a map, and it outlines um, the location of a nearby town named Dragenberg. Oh, very well. I... We can look into this. Now, I did mention that you would be um, rewarded, so um, take your... Take this time on your journey to know what would be appropriate to aid in your adventure, and I can see what I can do about acquiring those things. Uh, once you have retrieved the planar jewel, I would ask that you return back, and we can be able to proceed from there. Very well. And we go. So yeah, from there, you start on your path. Rin gives you a goodbye, and you eventually, for about, it's actually one day of travel, so it's going to take you a little while to get there. And you eventually reach outside the small town, and we will cut it there. Yay! Thank you everyone for watching and we'll catch you next week now, now j just to be clear steven we did get uh three level ups from that because talking with old people is like pure xp right well i have to talk with an old person too though so the dm gets xp yeah do i get xp <laughs> um yeah it, it's called uh, i give you treats whenever i see you Ha, ha, ha.